Good morning. My name is Father Matt. I'm one of the rectors here at the table. It's good to be with you. We are in Easter tide, as Mother Nancy said. Peter says, in response to the Spirit falling on the Gentiles, as he declares to an awestruck, silenced, one, one version says, calmed Jerusalem audience. If God gave them the same gift he gave us, who believed in the Lord Jesus Christ, then who am I, says Peter? Could I stand in God's way? John sees a new heavens and a new earth when God's incarnational presence eradicates all evil and wrong. See, the home of God is among mortals. He will dwell with them. They will be his peoples and God himself will be with them. He will wipe every tear from their eyes. Death will be no more. Mourning and crying and pain will be no more. For the first things have passed away. And the one seated on the throne said, See, I am making all things new. In the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. Amen. One of the problems with Eastertide, I know that's kind of weird to start a sermon like that. (laughs) In preaching new creation, is that all hell keeps breaking loose in our world. And it's hard to catch your breath long enough to behold the new Jerusalem. Yesterday, at least 10 people were fatally shot and killed in Buffalo and three more wounded at a supermarket on Sunday afternoon. The shooter was an 18-year-old white male named Peyton Gendrum. He live-streamed the shooting on Twitch, which is a video game platform that video gamers live-stream their first-person shooting games on. He was safely, of course, taken into police custody yesterday. What does this shooting have to do with our good news today? We'll listen to the good news and then let's figure it out together. God's presence and power have no boundaries. God's presence and power transgress old divisions in surprising and even terrifying ways for those who love God. God's Spirit moves us in love to discern this presence and power even in the most unlikely places. Let us be led by love into new creation today. The shooter in Buffalo left behind a 180-page manifesto where he explicitly mentioned the Christchurch shooting from three years ago. Now, if you're like me, it's hard to keep track of all the shootings. So let me remind you. It took place in New Zealand in 2019. 51 people were killed, 40 more injured at two mosques. 
in Christ Church, New Zealand. The manifesto also mentions other white supremacist mass shooting uh, people like Dylan Roof and others. It's clear from a cursory reading of the manifesto that the shooter in Buffalo was motivated by a white supremacist conspiracy theory known as replacement theory. Have you heard of this? It's a conspiracy theory that's repeated by presidential candidates and presidents and senators and congresswomen and congressmen and TV news celebrities. It sounds like this. Quote, You cannot overstate the scale of demographic change underway right now in the United States. It's a direct assault on our democracy. Democracy is the process by which the population elects its representatives. If you change the population, you dilute the political power of the people who already live there. This is an assault on democracy. This, and let's not lie about it, this is still the quote, by the way. This, and let's not lie about it, this is the Democratic Party's re-election plan. New York is already allowing non-citizens to vote. Expect that trend to spread, because equity. That was Tucker Carlson. He's one of the most popular, famous TV personalities. He mentions New York, the place where the shooter comes from and where the shooting happened. This was less than a year ago. He said this. One more. Because we're here. (laughs) Quote, they need you silenced, ostracized, demoralized, as they import new voters to offset and eventually replace all of you. You old people. You traditionalists. All you guys who know your history still. They want you replaced. And they want cheap labor. And so far things are going according to their plan. That's Laura Ingram. Do you hear the replacement theory in there? This goes back a long time. Um, The Elder Scrolls of Zion that uh, the Nazis took a lot of their propaganda from uh, had similar themes about Jewish people who were seeking to push out and squeeze out Christians. But this has been reinvigorated within the last 10 years. There's a French uh, person who sort of uh, created this term, and now it's being repeated in fascist and neo-fascist Places all over the world. It's a theory that used to be sort of believed by a small number of quacks, but now millions and millions of Americans, millions and millions of white Americans, millions of white Christian Americans believe it. It claims that, in general, Democrats are deliberately importing illegal migrants into the U.S. wholesale to achieve electoral dominance while driving whites to extinction. 
And uh, data shows that nearly a third of Americans endorse this way of thinking. A third. It was a driving force that got, it was one of the driving forces that got Donald Trump elected. And other congressmen and congresswomen. It continues to show up in the rationales and arguments for banning books in schools, gerrymandering of voting districts, voter suppression laws, building walls, anti-Semitic discourse, bombing at mosques, and shooting up Buffalo supermarkets. The Buffalo shooter mentions replacement theory explicitly, repeatedly. It's why he drove over three hours from his home to a known black neighborhood in Buffalo to do this shooting. Church, I'm breaking some rules here. They're mostly unspoken, but you know the rules because when you break them, everybody feels anxious. That's how you know you're breaking rules. You can feel it in your body, probably. Maybe in your stomach, your neck, maybe your hands or your armpits. My armpits are sweating, but that's because the air conditioning's broke. You see, I'm a white clergy person who operates for most of my life in the sort of conservative spaces that believe replacement theory. I'm the people that Laura Ingram and Tucker Carlson and Donald Trump and Marjorie Taylor Greene, I'm the person they're speaking to. And if you're in this building this morning, so are you. But we're not supposed to get partisan. That's rule number one I'm breaking. Rule number two, we're not supposed to name names. I also transgressed that one. We're not supposed to denounce and decry white Christian supremacist heresy. Notice that that's some kind of rule. That's how whiteness works. That's some kind of rule that I'm breaking. Because to do it, here's here's the punchline. When I do this, or when you do this, when we do this, we're being divisive, polarizing. I'm now part of the problem because I named names. But think about this with me, if you would. Because I'm supposed to just keep it spiritual in general. I'm supposed to say some bad things happened somewhere in the world this week, and we all are sinners and fall short of the glory of God. Let's pray. That's what I'm supposed to say. But put yourself in the shoes of the family of Aaron Salter Jr. He was the first victim fatally shot by Peyton Jenner. A former Buffalo police officer working as a security guard at the supermarket. He confronted the shooter and engaged him before he was fatally wounded. Now, please imagine this. I know it's hard, but stay with me. Imagine being with his three kids and his grandkids and refusing to speak clearly and plainly about the evil that took his life because you didn't want to be divisive. Or that somehow saying 
This replacement theory is white supremacist heresy, is somehow a part of the problem. I say this because the new spirit of creation is doing is undoing the work of divisive, evil, destructive things like replacement theory. We see this in our passage from Acts 11 today, where Peter recounts the story of what happened to him the chapter before, where a sheet comes down from heaven or from the sky, and Peter's told to eat things that disgust him, To go with unclean strangers he's never met. And to enter a Gentile house that would defile him. It's it's difficult to exaggerate, even for me, and I'm pretty good at it. How triggering this all would have been to Peter. The anxiety maybe you feel, because I said the words Tucker Carlson, a hundred times that. But notice it's the opposite of this antichrist spirit of replacement theory. He goes from excluding Gentiles as a threat to declaring, if God's going to include them, then I'd be a fool not to. This is tied directly to what we hear from Jesus today. My sheep hear my voice. They can't be taken from me. They know who I am. There is a great sense of security and safety in being a sheep of the Good Shepherd. There's no need to vilify and scapegoat those who are taking your place. Because, beloved, nothing can threaten your place. Nothing. People make trillions of dollars trying to get you to believe that someone can It's not true. God's presence and power have no boundaries. They transgress old divisions in surprising and even for the people of God, terrifying ways. Triggering. But God's spirit moves us in love to discern God's presence and power. Because one day God's presence and power will be all that is. And so let us in love be led by the spirit to discern new creation even today. Instead of preying on anxiety and fear. The, 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 the loss of control and power. It's a powerful drug. There's a trillion dollar, and I'm, again, I don't think I'm exaggerating, a trillion dollar economy that trades on white supremacy and the fears of losing the gifts of white supremacy. It involves Capitol Hill and Wall Street and entertainment. And to put it in Peter's language, it is standing in God's way. The spirit of, the spirit of Judas who takes money to betray Jesus because there was a group of powerful people who felt threatened by the clout and status of Jesus and the poor people that followed him. 
And so they colluded together to keep the power consolidated among a few people. That's the spirit we see at work here. Jesus threatened the power of those who claimed supremacy. He was the uneducated immigrant from Galilee. So, church, let us announce the spirit of death and destruction at work in this in the logic that fuels the shooting that we see in Buffalo. But it can be seen and heard every day. And I confess, it doesn't offend me like it should. This is one of the reasons why we spend so much time talking about white supremacy and mammon. In our church, we want to be a church who prays and sees visions. And, 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 and get moved into God-forsaken places. Because God's presence and power is seeking out all of creation. Because at some point in the future, all of heaven will be here on earth. And the incarnation that starts in Jesus, that then is the body of Christ in the church, we're told, is now a place to live. God with us becomes a city. Not just a person, not just a people but an entire reality. So then, what do we do? Well, this is why we track Kairos moments, friends. This is just us naming our perception of either new creation coming or the stuff that's passing away, kicking and screaming on its way out. So we tend to the sadness and the pain of a, of a cancer diagnosis. Because it tells the truth about the old that's passing away. And it tells the truth about the new creation that's coming. That one day the sadness in that diagnosis will be no more. Because God's presence will inhabit every cell of that body of cancer. We tell the truth. We honor tears. They tell the truth about badness. We don't bypass them. We don't shame them. We don't gaslight you if you're crying. This is the only way we undo the cycle of harm and triggering and trauma that makes white supremacist heresy seem like a good idea. Of course you're scared because you're not going to get your way anymore. And white supremacy has promised you your way for almost half a millennia. And you have, this has been traumatizing to you. It traumatizes you to have power, ungodly power at others' expense. Of course you're terrified. Can we, can we weep about it together? Can we tell the truth about your fear? Number two, we make a big deal about love. We, it's a big deal. Bigger deal than Ron Burgundy. Love is a pretty big deal. In the New Testament, to Jesus, to the apostles. So we want to include everyone whom God would let in. And we want to tell the truth about everything that would keep people out. And we let love have its way among us, here. 
I'll be honest with you, I had a different sermon to preach at 8.59 a.m. this morning. And I only had a certain amount of time. Ben and Spencer were out of town trying to help Laura get the live stream set up. Laura, we did an A-minus job on that. <laughs> everything, but the, everything but the live stream, we did. Um, I don't know about you, but I'm about 64 degrees too hot in here. And I confess that I was unable to figure out how to end this sermon. Except to say this. I am so thankful for each and every one of you. Because of the work you're doing to not settle for spray painting new creation on the same old junk, but fighting in a holy way to deal with your disgust when there's animals on a sheet and you have no idea what's happening to you. To, be, to have the audacity to go with strangers to check out something you've never seen before. To have the faithfulness to let everything that you thought you knew get scrambled in the presence of God doing a new thing. DC talk. God doing a new thing in your presence and not running away. But going back to the people who you think might police it. Because make no doubt about it. When Peter goes before the Jerusalem church, he's got to be petrified. They don't police it. They, they were calmed, one translation says. Peter is testifying before people that could go either way. But I see this character in you. And I want to celebrate it. I see you telling the truth about sadness. See you weeping with each other. I see uh, tears not being a sign of weakness, but of power. I see that among you and I celebrate it. Because if the tears are going to be wiped away, they better be there when new creation shows up. We better be staring in the face in hope of everything destroying God's good creation. When that city bumps us on the head. And I see that. I see that. I see too the, the cost that some of you have paid to be a part of this church. You've left other traditions. isn't the best church in the world for kids. Here I am talking about buffalo shooters with eight-year-olds in the room. Sometimes it costs you to be here, but I see it because you know who your shepherd is. You're safe and secure in your shepherd. And you trust that love in this place. So I just decided in this moment to end this sermon with an affirmation.
Church, God's presence and power have no boundaries. Transgress old divisions in surprising and terrifying ways, even to the most pious among us. God's Spirit moves us in love to discern God's presence and power, even today, in the most unlikely places. Let us be led by love towards new creation. In the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit.